everybody, welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And today we return to our original format. Yeah, our regularly scheduled programming. Correct. Even though soon it's going to become our specially scheduled programming. Yes. <laughs> However, for now we'll still call it regularly yeah. scheduled. So yes, what do we do here on this installment of the show? Well, Lauren? on this version of the show, we read unproduced plays and screenplays and interview the awesome writers who write them. Yes, we did. We have a script called Wheelies. Yeah, today. by Miriam and Wari. Yes, and uh, it's a great script and a great interview. We had a bunch of fun. Uh, excited to be back to the original format. Of yeah. course, we're energized for it now. And yeah, so so we're going to get to that in a bit. Uh, let's do a few housekeeping things oh, to yes. begin. House sweeping things. Would you mind checking if we have any reviews? My love, I would be delighted to. All right. So if you have not left us a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or you know, if you have a reviewing mechanism wherever else you listen to our podcast, our show. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you did that, especially on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews, um, specifically a review more than a rating, helps you move up the charts, all that good stuff. We're actually looking yes. at reaching out to some sponsors for our other show, which is uh, has about you know, 20 times the listeners of this show. Yeah, we're, that show was wildly successful. <laughs> it's it's doing pretty good. It's doing pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, so we would also love to be able to get to a point where we could do that for this show as well, give you guys some awesome coupon codes for great stuff. Yes, no um, new reviews, unfortunately. Sad. So you all failed your homework sad. assignment. But yes, um, you can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter as long as you say something. You can tell us what movies you want us to watch and talk Correct. about on our yep. new format, uh, an old movie, a new movie, Anything like that. You can, I don't know, tell us how you feel about the movies that we are talking about this week. Or yes. Whatever you want to do, uh, we would love just to hear what you have to say. Correct. Now, if you want to put money directly into our pockets, Boom. consider uh, becoming a member of our Patreon club. That's right. And here's the thing. You're not just giving us money, although if you want to do that, feel free to do that at our PayPal, tglsubmit at gmail.com. True, true. Um, but if you want something in return for your big bucks... You can become a member of our Patreon. Uh, by the time you are listening to this, we will have a road trip episode posted. Um, so this is a little different than our past road trip episodes because we did this one specifically for uh, the the person who is at the Patreon level to listen to it. Um, so basically what we did, we watched Harvey and also some episodes of Ted Lasso and did a little comparison uh, compare and contrast with the two main characters, and also just talked about everything we like about Harvey and the show Ted Lasso. Correct. So, yeah, check that out if you like either of those things, or if you want to find out if you will like those things. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a ton of yeah, fun. Yeah, and that is at the $10 level. We also do green lit episodes at the $5 level. That is a green candle yep. every month. Yep, yep, um, yep. So we will have another one for April, and there's a whole bunch in the back catalog as well. Yes. Um, uh, like us uh, on, uh, or uh, subscribe, <sighs> Jesus, follow us <laughs> on, on Instagram and Twitter. TGL underscore TGL pod. underscore pod and at GreenlightPod on Facebook. Jesus. All okay. right. I think that's all of our housekeeping stuff. Let's get into it. So, before we read our script, before we interview our interviewee, we have a little segment we like to call our detour segment. Beep, beep. Honk, honk. All right, in this segment, we talk about something we've consumed, and obviously it's going to be shortened as we did before. We're not going to go fully into these movies like we have done the past couple weeks. However, you're going to get a little taste of what we think of them. That's right. So, something we've consumed, and this week, it's both movies. Yeah, we're, we're actually <laughs> doing a double feature this week. We are doing a bit of a double feature that we watched as a double feature, and maybe you should, too. Maybe. 
Maybe, Maybe you should too. Maybe. <laughs> so we are talking about the first two installments in the A Nightmare on Elm Street series. That's right. A Nightmare on Elm Street and A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Yes, 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 yes. Really, if you think about it, the first one is kind of Freddy's Revenge. That's <laughs> They're true. all kind of Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. Even the first one. Yeah. But we'll get into it a bit. So. Anyway. A Nightmare on Elm Street is written and directed by the the king of of horror himself, Wes Craven. I don't know That's if they right. call him that, but Who he's also, done a lot. You know, we did talk about last week. Uh, he directed Scream. Yes, was that last week? Yeah. Wow, time flies. Time yeah. flies, man. Uh, this movie stars uh, Heather Langenkamp, Lang- Langenkamp, uh, John Saxon, uh, Johnny Depp, a very young Johnny Depp. The first movie he was in, right? Well, at least least the first big movie. This was his big break. Yes. Uh, Ronnie Blakely, Amanda Weiss, and Robert Englund as Fred Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Weirdly enough, they actually don't refer to him as Freddy, like, at all. It's very rare. A lot of times they refer to him as Fred Krueger. Or Fred Krueger, yeah, Yeah, which is interesting, because I feel like he's known so heavily as Freddy. Yeah. Maybe in the later movies they do it more, but yeah. And to be fair, they also did call the second one Freddy's Revenge, not Fred Krueger's Revenge. Yeah, sure. Uh, Freddy has a little, uh, a better ring to it. But if you, for some reason, don't know what this movie is about... The monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer, who could that be, seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. That's right. Yep. So, it's a teen movie. It's a teen teen horror movie. Follows these kids, uh, and as Freddy Krueger invades their nightmares. And literally murders them in their nightmares. Yes, correct. Like, that's, it's not just nightmares, like, he, they are actually in danger when they go to sleep. So... My, my, when I was a kid, I feel like Freddy was almost one of the scarier horror villains in my mind. I don't think, I, I mean, this is a, my first time seeing this movie, or, or the second one, or any of them. But I feel like someone who, like, invades your dreams is a level of, like, slasher that, like, is very hard to beat. Because you have, like, yeah. someone like Michael Myers, who, you know, debatably has supernatural powers, but not to this extent. Like, right. you know, he might have supernatural durability, but, like, I could probably outsmart him. Like, I think I probably could outsmart Michael Myers if I really wanted to. Yeah. With Freddy, I don't know how I'd do, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Well, yeah, and I feel like with Freddy, it's like, okay, you can't hide from him. He can always find you. Yes. You can't avoid sleeping, even though the characters in this try. Yes, they do. You know. For like seven days, which may be a bit Insane. unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, and it's just like, okay, they kind of come to the conclusion that the only way to really get a little bit of sleep is to have someone literally watching you while you sleep. But then the problem is they keep falling asleep. So it's definitely not foolproof. And now, now I'll I'll say a few things about this. I think there were some really cool death scenes. Yes. And Freddy is very scary in concept. Yes. However, (laughs) this practice, Freddy, he's a bit of a showman. (laughs) Freddy likes to show off a little bit. (laughs) This man loves his theatrics. He loves his theatrics. Like, 
He could have just carried a knife, but instead he was like, I'm going to handcraft some knife gloves. Some knife gloves. And there <sighs> there are just moments in this where it's like the way he like jumps out and the way he just like, like does eh. things. It is he is a theatrical genius, is Freddy Krueger, and we have to love him for it. There there were moments like once again, there were like some genuinely scary moments, but there are also some genuinely funny moments that still involve Freddy. Yeah. And, like, how does this movie do it? And I think that's why like I really appreciate this the first one is because it had like some like whether they were meant to be or not some comedic moments yeah and i think obviously the concept um i you know i was reading a little bit about it is was a little not like super revolutionary but it sort of reinvigorated the genre i agree because you know you had a lot of these slasher movies that you know halloween was really like you know the first big one uh, that sort of, you know, opened up the genre. But after that, for, like, the next few years, it was just a lot of Halloween knockoffs. With, yeah. You know, like, but- there are a lot of movies where it's hard to... I guess it's hard to make a movie that's about, okay, this person's gonna go come at a bunch of people with knives. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do that over and over and make it original every time. Exactly. But so, the, with yeah, this coming, new element... Coming for you in your dreams, that's definitely... It was unique at the time. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, there, there are some really cool death scenes in this. So if you appreciate good death scenes, you'll appreciate a, a, a few parts of this movie for sure. Yeah. Um, Another part of this that I really enjoyed was <sighs> the scene where Johnny Depp is wearing a crop top. We should bring that back. Yes, we sh- I, Lauren, I'm trying. I know you <laughs> I are. I want to. And I appreciate you for it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Johnny Depp is a dream in this movie. Um, he, he's good. I think, I mean, I think the acting is like. It's fine. For a horror movie, it's decent. <laughs> yeah, I, like, our main girl, what's her name, Lisa? Hello, Lisa. Uh... Nancy. Nancy. She looks like a Lisa. Sorry, mom. My mom's name is Lisa. <laughs> yep. I don't mean it like that. Um, no, but I mean, she... I didn't think she was not good. Yeah, she was fine. Yeah. She was fine. Um, yeah, I mean, what, once again, I enjoyed this movie. There are definitely, like... I, I didn't think about it too hard, but it feels like there's a bit of logic issues as far as, like where Freddy can go in and out. Like, yeah. Like, w- the, the line between the dream world and the real world, I think, is is a bit... It's very fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, is, it is interesting the way they use it. Uh, however, that, for me, like, it didn't stop my enjoyment of it. Like, yeah. I, I still really enjoyed this movie. And, like, it kept me engaged. It really did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what else you got? Yeah, I think this is a good movie for you to grab a drink and watch. Um, uh, for sure. So if you're ready, we can go ahead and move on to the sequel. Yeah, totally. Uh, first, uh, both of these movies are on HBO Max. Yes. So if you have that, definitely definitely watch them. And especially just because... It's worth watching if you haven't seen them. They're classics, you know? Yeah. And like, at least now you'll get the Freddy references. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that's like a big thing. It's like, you know, definitely just, you know, just watching the, some of them. The, I guess just the impact these movies had, you know? Yeah, just like for the sure. influence they have on pop culture. Totally. So, yes. definitely worth it. Alrighty. Okay, um... A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, 1985. Yes. So only I, a year after the first one. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they knew the first one was going to be a success. And there is really no, like, there's not a significant budget difference in this, like, that you can tell in a visual way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um. Anyway, this, I wanted to do this one because uh, this movie was not directed by Wes Craven. It was directed by 
my former Western Carolina University professor, yes. Jack Shoulder. Yes. Uh, Wes Craven, I don't think, really had anything to do with this movie. Yeah, well, besides, and honestly... you know, the characters. <laughs> that actually is, um, in an interview, Jack Shoulder said... And first of all, I never actually had him as a teacher. Um, he retired, like, I think my sophomore year or something. Mm. Um, but, you know, he was, like, strictly in the film department, so a lot of the film kids had him for sure. classes, obviously. Um, anyway, but he said in an interview that part of the reason he decided to do this, uh, when he was asked was because the plot was completely different from the first one and Wes Craven wasn't really involved because he didn't like the first one. Yeah. So, yeah, so he signed on board for this one. So, um, here's the plot. A teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer Freddy Krueger, who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world. Yes. Okay. So... Basically, uh, the poster on this says, the man of your dreams is back. Whoa. Yeah, it's um, a pretty solid tone for it. <laughs> pretty solid tone, yeah. So, basically, um, this kid moves into Nancy's family's, you know, old house, yeah. is in Nancy's old room, living mm-hmm. there, um, and he starts having dreams about Freddy, but the difference is that Freddy isn't trying to kill him, he's trying to basically convince him to kill on his behalf yeah possess him in a way literally yeah exactly so you know he starts to have moments where he kind of loses control you know is either about to kill someone or pretty early on in the movie he does actually uh kill his kind of abusive gym teacher yes um who i will say one thing about this movie that does not hold up is that they kind of demonize people for being gay which is not good including the gym teacher yes um And and but in a weird way this movie was actually like has since sort of been embraced by the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, I think like from what I've understood by kind of watching YouTube videos about it, mm-hmm. part of it is actually like people have sort of watched this and it has helped them kind of like realize, you know, that they're gay and sort of help them mm-hmm. understand their feelings. Yes. Just the idea of like this, like, I don't know. It's like, it's not that Freddy Krueger is necessarily like attracted to Jesse, who is the main boy. It's more yeah. of just like, you know, I there are just some things about this movie that are like sort of there, gay, and I understand some... <laughs> how this could awaken some things in people. There are some very homoerotic moments in <laughs> yeah, this movie. Yeah, that's more of what I mean. <laughs> Let, let's let's just be honest. Yeah, there's yeah. actually a, a documentary I think also on HBO um, about this movie and sort of its impact on the gay community. And yeah. I, th- I really want to watch it because it sounds super interesting. It does sound really interesting. Is, yeah, is it I mean, called there Scream are... Queens? Uh, no, I think Scream Queens is something different, is isn't it? it? Um, but yeah, it, it is actually is. interesting because the main actor in this, who is, I think, J- David Chaskin, um, no, actually, it's, it's Mark Patton. Um, yeah, so Mark Patton, um, is actually, like, considered to be a scream queen in this, you know, yes. because he, he basically has that role. It, it's kind of called, it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, uh, Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So you were mm-hmm. pretty much right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Obviously, Robert England returned for this. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's that's honestly the the bulk of the plot. I think he has this like wealthy girlfriend. Yeah. Um. Who's just trying to like look out for him, take care of him. You know, she's incredibly tolerant. You know, when he comes to her with like. I think I might have killed our gym teacher. Yes. You know, and she just thinks, oh, well, he probably has psychic abilities. You know, there's no way he could have done this in a dream. He just yeah. like dreamed that this happened and then it happened. He must be yeah. psychic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting movie. I did not like it as much as the first one. I didn't either. Um, um I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just like the, the story wasn't, it didn't feel as compelling to me. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, and it's also, too, I think that the really good gimmick of the first one is that Freddy only exists in the dream world. Yeah. And while it does definitely get scarier knowing that he can come to the real world, at the same time, it's like he's straight up murdering people either way. I honestly feel like that might be a little easier when people are asleep, you know, yeah. when you don't have a real body to uh, do time in. <laughs> yeah, for you know? sure. For sure. Yeah, it, it, it feels more like... I don't know. It just feels more palpable than the first one in a way. It feels more scary. I agree. Yeah. Well, because it's also just like, you know, like, obviously, Jesse is not safe. Yes. Like, in his sleep. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, if Freddy fully possesses him, you know, I don't know if he would lose his ability to kill people in their nightmares. Sure. But there might be some kind of risk involved with him leaving Jesse's body at that point. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh -huh. and not being able to sort of get back into it or have to go through this whole process again. Yeah. So... It's also like yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's a little bit unclear exactly what Freddy is capable of, <laughs> and and even like I feel like Freddy's motivation in the first one feels stronger. Like in this one, it feels like he just wants to kill just for the sake of killing again. Yeah, but in the and first this one, one is more like, of like a revenge thing. Now, granted, he did kill for the sake of killing, and that's what got him into this mess in the first place. Yes, but I feel like it's it's more powerful in the first one that he's he's after these specific people and he's like on a mission. The second one, it's like I just want to kill again. You know, like that. Yeah, that's not no, as specific and not not as scary. I feel like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I once again, it's still like a, it's a fun movie. Like I would Definitely. suggest actually watching these two in tandem because yeah. I think it would be, it would be a very fun evening. It's what we and did. And they're both pretty short. You know, this they one are. is under an hour and a half and yeah. the other one's like an hour 44 or something. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. So it's very quick, uh, you know, essentially one long movie if you put them together. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely together watch Together it's shorter than the Snyder Cut. Exactly. <laughs> like an hour shorter. But yes, uh, those are on HBO Max. So watch those. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our Coming script. So again, uh, it's Wheelies by Miriam and Wari, and we'll be right back. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the green light. Green light. Pew, pew, pew. Uh... So this week we are reading, I don't know, I just, I went to a different world there. there. Um, <laughs> Lauren's on another planet right now, yeah. so this will be interesting. <laughs> okay, so we are reading Wheelies by Miriam Anwari this week. Yes, we are. And we have a special guest actor with us. Yeah, new to new, the show. New to the show, not new to our lives, but yes. new to the show. Uh, Austin, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Austin Green. Uh, I, because I am from LA, am an actor, and that's... <laughs> The core of who I am, and I have no depth as a person. So you know, Aww. isn't that nice? Those They're, are all facts. Those yeah. are all, no, I'm kidding. No. Uh, we we know Austin. Um, uh, I I guess I was the one who was in Austin's class because you weren't in our class, right? Yeah. But um, Austin and I took acting class together. Uh, um, we we go to the same studio. Correct. Um, yeah. yeah. But and yeah. then if I could just add a little, uh, Lauren and I became friends because she said <laughs> one thing about Gal Gadot. I'm like. I grabbed her arm. I was like, we're going to be best friends now. And we are. <laughs> Correct. And Jackson was just the third wheel on his <laughs> date at a party. And we we're like, oh, my God. And Gal Gadot is an angel. Of course she is. I mean, She's pretty much. That is <laughs> that is pretty much exactly how it went. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, all righty. Shall we jump into it? Let's yeah, let's sure. dive. Yeah. So right. I am Lauren. As you hopefully know by now, I am reading Action Lines and also reading for Keisha. And I am Jackson, once again, as I hope you know. And I will be reading for Slade and Grandpa. And I am Austin, which you don't know, but now you do, and I'm reading for Billy. There you go. Exterior street, day. A beautiful summer day. The sun blazes, birds chirp, sprinklers sprinkle. 
slow-mo close on a pair of pink tennis shoes jumping rope. The shoes belonged to Keisha, 13, a vision in shorts, pigtails, and glossy lips, a sight worthy of an adolescent boner for sure. Across the street, Billy, 13, scrawny and scruffy, but still cute in that crooked smile way, watches her with adoration. He sits on the stoop of his modest little house. Keisha looks in Billy's direction. They lock eyes. Billy's heart stops. She smiles at him and waves. Yes, 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 yes. Emboldened by her gesture, Billy stands up. He and Keisha stand on opposite sides of the street, facing each other. He's finally going to do it. He's going to walk over there and talk to her. He takes a tentative step. Another one. Keisha continues to smile as he crosses the street. Billy finally reaches Keisha. Here goes. Hey, Keisha. Just right then, shitty heavy metal music blares. Enter Slade 15, the neighborhood bully, sporting a dumb haircut, an oversized denim jacket over a flannel, and a pair of black gloves with the stupid cut-off fingers. Slade and his gang of idiots, who all resemble each other, zero in towards Billy and Keisha as the dumb heavy metal music grows louder. Billy watches in despair. But what is this? How are they coming towards us so fast? It's like they're wearing skates. But they aren't? What? What? They are skating. They're wearing the coolest newest thing ever. Wheelies! Screech! Slade makes an epic break in front of Keisha and Billy. He flips his hair. Sup, Dingleberries. Hi, Slade. Keisha's eyes immediately sparkle with the lust that any girl has for an older bad boy. On skates. Are those... Wheelies? The brand new super cool awesome shoes with pop-out wheels so that I can walk when I want to, be chill, and then skate when I need to fly with a simple push of a button? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Those are so cool. Aren't those cool, Billy? Billy frowns, about to answer, when Slade interrupts. Uh, he can't answer that question, Keisha, because in order to answer that question, little Billy here would have to actually know what cool is. Oh! And he doesn't. You know why? Slade skates a perfect figure eight, screeches to a halt. Because he's poor! And you'd think maybe he could ask someone how to be cool, but he can't. You know why? Slade performs the ultimate moonwalk on skates, screeches to a halt. Because his only friend is his grandpa! (laughs) His grandpa, who doesn't even love him! Oh! Oh, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit! Slade performs another unnecessarily long skating trick, while everyone silently waits for him to be done. Man, doing all these awesome tricks is making me pretty thirsty. He turns to Keisha. What say we go get a watermelon Slurpee, babe? Keisha pauses, not wanting to abandon Billy. Oh, I'd invite Billy, but he just holds back. He's got no wheels. Slade grabs Keisha's scooter off the lawn and holds it out to her. Come on! Keisha reluctantly steps onto the scooter to Billy's expected disappointment. See ya, Billy. Later, loser. The gang of idiots laugh as Slade leads everyone down toward 7-Eleven. As a final stab, Slade locks eyes with Billy and mock grabs Keisha's butt. Billy watches in horror, to which Slade laughs maniacally and gives Billy a thumbs up. Billy storms across the street and enters his house. Interior, house, living room, day. Grandpa, 60s, a gruff-looking individual, sits on the recliner with a glass of Wild Turkey 101. Grandpa doesn't fuck around. A MASH-type program plays on TV. Billy enters the living room, commanding Grandpa's attention. Do you love me? What? I need your help. I need seventy nine ninety nine plus tax. 
Grandpa starts laughing, but his laughter turns into a violent coughing fit. Grandpa reaches for the whiskey and takes a sip. I need a pair of wheelies. What the fuck are wheelies? Billy grabs the remote control and changes the channel. I was watching that! Billy changes the channel a couple times until he hits pay dirt. A commercial for wheelies plays on TV. In 20 seconds, the commercial reveals that wheelies are the coolest, hippest, newest thing, and whoever owns them will skate around, laugh, impress the opposite sex, do better in school, become the president of the United States slash bell of the ball. The commercial ends. Billy turns off the TV and looks at Grandpa earnestly. Grandpa's expression is similar to someone who's just been told they have stage four stomach cancer with impending imminent death. Wheelies are these shoes with pop-out wheels so that I can walk when I want to be chill and then skate when I need to fly with the simple push of a button. You already have a skateboard. Why don't you play with that? Interior Salvation Army, day. Grandpa haggles with the extremely bored sales clerk, 20s, over an extremely used-looking skateboard. Two dollars, not a penny more. Fine. Yes, <laughs> He slaps the money on the counter and hands the shitty skateboard to Billy. Billy regards his present. Happy birthday. One of the wheels suddenly falls off. Both Grandpa and Billy watch it happen. Grandpa nods and exits the store. Billy sighs, picks up the wheel, and follows. Cut back to continued interior house living room day. Grandpa, last time I tried to skateboard, you yelled at me because I fell and almost broke my arm. Well, maybe that's a sign from the universe, then. A sign to do what? To stop fucking skating. How about you buy them for me as a present for graduating 8th grade? Graduating 8th grade? Well, gee, why don't they just throw a celebration every time you successfully wipe your own ass? Billy sighs, leans forward, and puts his arms on Grandpa's shoulders. Time to level with him. Grandpa, have you ever loved something so much that you believed your whole life's happiness depended on it? We push in on Grandpa, his first sentimental moment yet as he remembers. Exterior field, day. Black and white, a beautiful woman, dressed and made up in 50s-style clothing, stands with her back to us. She turns around and smiles warmly. You're thinking about Grandma, right? What? We boom down to reveal the beautiful woman holding an antique rifle. She holds it out to us, smiles. Fuck no, I'm not thinking of your grandmother. I'm thinking about my rifle. A younger grandpa, handsome, 20s, grabs the rifle from her and fires it at a target. Bullseye. We see younger grandpa being handed a medal by a man, 40s. A photographer, 30s, ushers them together so he can take their photo. The beautiful woman, aka younger grandma, tries to get in the photo. Younger grandpa pushes her out of the frame. Flash. Won 12 straight competitions with that baby. Interior house, living room, day. We see a medal hung on the living room wall, followed by another, and another stop motion style, until the wall is decorated with 12 medals and then finally the prized rifle itself. Continued interior house living room day. Match cut, present day, the same wall where all the medals and rifle hang on display, slightly dustier and faded looking. Okay, well, how you feel about your rifle is how I feel about wheelies. I need them. And I need some oxycodone, but you don't see me making a big goddamn deal about it? Can't I earn some money from doing chores around here? Well, I hate to stifle that million-dollar idea of yours, but in order for you to earn money, I'd have to have money to pay you with. And also actually give a shit about the chores being done, which I don't. Don't you have any extra savings? I'm sitting on a recliner that's older than you are and eating last night's dinner for breakfast. What do you think? Why don't we have money? Kid, this conversation is getting too heavy for me. It's only 11 a.m. Grandpa swigs the bourbon. 
Billy walks over to the window and sees Keisha and Slade enjoying Slurpees across the street. He visibly deflates. In the reflection of the window, Grandpa wisely incants, Life's a bitch, and then you die, Billy. Never forget that. Grandpa turns the TV back on. Billy grows a determined expression on his face and exits. Interior garage day. Billy enters their tiny, cramped garage filled with what looks like years and years of junk. He looks around and spies his old skateboard stowed up on the highest shelf. He walks up to the shelf. While doing so, he passes a photo of younger Grandpa, 20s, holding his first rifle, quite romantically. Billy starts stacking boxes and items in an attempt to reach the skateboard. He stands perilously atop the bunch of items and reaches, fingertips barely grazing the skateboard. He's so close. Interior house, living room, day. Grandpa watches TV. He hears a loud crash from the garage. Then the unmistakable sound of Billy moaning in pain. Ow! Grandpa turns the volume higher on the television. Interior garage, day. Billy gets up. He's got the skateboard. Begin montage. Billy sets the skateboard down. Billy searches and finds an old pair of shoes. Billy finds old rusty cans of gold and red spray paint. Billy finds tools. Screwdriver, hammer, nails, glue gun, and glue sticks, etc. Billy MacGyvers the trucks of the skateboard off and onto the shoes. Billy attaches the trucks onto the tennis shoes, MacGyvers on the wheels. Billy spray paints the tennis shoes and wheels. Billy looks at his finished product. Not bad. Exterior street, day. Billy stands in front of his house, wearing his newly made footwear. He starts to skate around the front of his house. From across the street, Keisha notices. She smiles and waves at Billy. Slade turns and looks over at Billy, eyebrows raised. This is his chance to show them he can be cool, too. Billy takes a deep breath. He starts to pick up speed. He skates around, picking up more and more speed. Then he stumbles, and his homemade wheelies break, and he falls to the ground. The ultimate embarrassment. From the ground, Billy hears all the kids across the street laughing. He turns and notices his house where Grandpa is at the window, also pointing at him and laughing. Billy tears off his wheelies and runs inside. Keisha watches him run off with a pained expression. Interior house, living room, day. Billy tears into the house where Grandpa is still laughing. (laughs) Oh, come on, kid. That shit was hilarious. Billy frowns, upset by his lack of support. My mom and dad wouldn't have thought so. This strikes a chord with Grandpa. Billy stalks back towards his bedroom and slams the door, leaving Grandpa alone. Oh, fuck. Interior house, Billy's bedroom, day. Billy listlessly lies on his bed. His room is as sparsely decorated as the rest of the house. A knock is heard at his bedroom door. Open up. Go away. Come on, let me in. Let yourself in. My hands are full, open the fucking door. Billy gets up off the bed and opens the door. There stands Grandpa, holding a box of... No. Can it be? It is! A box of a brand new pair of wheelies! Are those... are those for me? No, they're for me. Of course they're for you, you dum-dum. He hands the box to Billy. Try not to break your goddamn neck, okay? Billy sets the box down and hugs Grandpa as hard as he can, as Grandpa resists the gesture. Thank you, thank you, thank you! Yeah, yeah, go on. Get out of here. Billy grabs the wheelies and runs out the door. Exterior street, day. The sun is beginning to set on this beautiful summer day. Billy comes outside with his wheelies on. Slade is nowhere to be found. Keisha is jumping rope. She sees Billy. Billy pops his wheels out to Keisha's delight. Wow. She drops her jump rope. Billy skates over to her. 
They join hands. Billy skates around in a circle and Keisha skips opposite him. They smile and laugh at each other, having a grand time. They both stop, stare at each other. Time slows down. Keisha, I... Just then, we hear loud heavy metal music blare. It's Slade again, except this time he isn't on wheelies. He's riding an epic new bike. Slade stops in front of Billy and Keisha, interrupting their romantic moment. Wow, is that... The brand new limited edition MX-3000? <laughs> yep. So cool. Come on, babe. Let me give you a ride around the block. Okay. Keisha stands on the back pegs of the bike as Slade gives a pointed look at Billy's new footwear. Those are so five minutes ago. He rides away into the sunset with Billy's woman as Billy stands there wondering if there is a god. Interior house, living room, sunset. Billy sneaks back inside, trying to avoid Grandpa, who watches TV with a drink. Hey, why aren't you outside playing with your new skates? I played with them. Yeah, for like two seconds. Billy says nothing. What's going on? I thought you couldn't live without the things. Billy says nothing. Grandpa stands up and approaches him. What gives, kid? Billy sighs. Moment of truth time. Grandpa, I only wanted the wheelies to impress the girl next door. What? And it worked for like a second. But then that stupid rich kid down the street got a new mountain bike like this afternoon. And she isn't interested in me anymore because wheelies are so five minutes ago. Grandpa takes all of this in as Billy continues. It was stupid of me to make such a big deal about the wheelies when I really didn't even want them for myself. I really appreciate you buying them for me, though, Grandpa. You are the best. Billy holds his arms out for a hug and approaches Grandpa slowly. Grandpa doesn't reciprocate and slaps Billy across the face suddenly and hard. Ow! You think I won 12 shooting competitions for your dumb grandmother? No! I became a champion because I shot all those bullseyes for me. Like you're supposed to be doing things in life. For you! Billy notices that Grandpa's rifle is missing from its usual spot on the wall behind him, with only the faint outline of dust around it. The weight of the realization hits Billy hard as Grandpa continues barking. Well, what are you waiting for? Take them off, you little scam artist! Billy quickly removes the wheelies from his feet and puts them back into the box. Are you returning them? No. I thought I'd hang them on the wall to commemorate this failed wet dream of yours. Of course I'm returning them! And then I'm going to the pawn shop and getting my rifle back. Grandpa grabs the box out of Billy's hands. Thanks, Grandpa. In an uncharacteristic gesture of affection, Grandpa pats Billy's shoulder. Billy smiles. Grandpa then walks to the door, and as he's about to exit, Billy speaks. You know, all in all, I'd say this is a pretty solid ending to this day. Yeah. Except that rich kid is probably somewhere nearby feeling up that girl you're crazy for right about now. Billy doesn't know how to respond, and Grandpa exits before he can. Billy stands there and thinks about everything that's just happened to him. Suddenly, we hear a crashing screech of metal outside. What the hell, man? Billy runs over to see what the commotion is about. Exterior street, day. Outside, we see Grandpa's car next to Slade's bike, which is now a mangled, crushed mess of metal. Slade and Keisha run over. My bike! Slade continues freaking out as Keisha stares at him, obviously very turned off by his behavior. You really shouldn't leave stuff in front of people's driveways. Now stop acting like a girl. Keisha is puzzled. And get your shit heap off my property before I accidentally run you over, too. Grandpa turns and locks eyes with Billy, who observes all of this from in front of the house. He winks at Billy. Billy watches him leave. We boom down until we reach Billy's feet. Cut to black. 
Welcome back to the Green Light. Green Light. We are here with our writer of the week for Wheelies, Miriam and Wari. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Awesome. We're glad to have you. We're, we're very glad to have you, Miriam. Let's start off. Uh, how, where are you calling us from today? Uh, North Hollywood, California. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I know that we had talked about this, but yeah, this might be news to Jackson. Um, yeah, we're, we're very close to you. We're right in Van Nuys. Oh, no way. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Very so cool. a, a short, yeah, a short drive away. We don't often. Act, it's it's interesting. We actually don't necessarily often have people from uh, L.A. on the show. Uh, I, really? uh, who did we have? We had someone recently. We we did. I know. Um, uh, Sergio was from. Well, he he lives near ish to here. Sure. But we also had. Um. Oh, what was his name? Uh, Jack Ryan Uran. Yes. He was from Pittsburgh, but lived here. True. But anyway, that is not related to you, Miriam. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we like to ask this to everyone. Give us your writer origin story. How did you get started writing? Um, Well, I initially wanted to be a novelist. Uh, I fell in love with reading books at a very young age. And then I think when I turned about 12 or 13, I started really getting into films. And then I translated sort of into screenwriting and then as I learned more about the business, I realized that um, as the writer, you know, you can sell a script and then they can kind of take it and do whatever they want with it. So I'm like, oh, no, how do I make sure that it sort of stays authentic to what I want it to be? So I kind of spilled into writing and directing. Uh, but writing has just always been in my background um, in many different forms. Yeah. Nice. Sure. What what made you switch from uh from writing novels to to writing screenplays? Was there was there something in particular, or just sort of as you got older, it it appealed to you more? Yeah, I think as I got older, I just uh, you know movies were just so cool, and there were so many different uh, kinds of them, and uh, I just yeah, I don't know, fell in love with it. And then uh, the first time like I sort of was on a movie set, I absolutely fell in love with being on set, and so I was like, okay. I can't just write now because I've been spoiled <laughs> by this energy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm trying to be one of those crazy people who write and direct, and I swore I never would be. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, lots of people do it. You know, more power to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully I don't yeah. become obnoxious, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually did just like a little bit of low-level Facebook stalking. Um, And are you... It looked like, unless I found the wrong person, you are, are you in an MFA directing program? I was, yes. I graduated in 2017 from Chapman oh, University. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was uh, well, very I instrumental. I guess four years late, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's always an accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so much debt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that does tend to happen, but good experience, I hope. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Good, 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 good. Uh, so let's let's dive into the script. We'll ask you uh, uh, some more questions about you a little bit later, but okay. uh, let's talk about the script for a bit. Uh, and sure. I think we have to ask this question. What is your specific experience with Healy's? And how did that influence you to write this script? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, when I was 13, they came out and they were really, really cool. And um, we couldn't afford to get a pair of them. And uh, so that was really sad. So that, there's some trauma there, I guess I never got over and kept with me as an adult. And um, the other half of it is, I think the main character, the protagonist, Billy, he's just, he's such a romantic, but he's also sort of like a fool in love. And that is very much modeled after myself and a lot of failed Uh relationships. So I sort of combined those two traumas and uh, my love of uh, films when I was growing up, such as The Sandlot and uh, stuff like Bad Santa and Bad Teacher. I've kind of took elements from those things and fused them together in this. So this is a bit nostalgic mixed in with my own personal uh, failure with healing. (laughs) Sure. I I completely hear that because I, my mother would just not catch me dead in a pair of heels. She (laughs) thought they were so dangerous. She would also never let me get a pair. And so I was always so jealous of people who had them. I was like, oh, that could be me. Yeah, (laughs) I never never had heels either. And I, I don't think I was like dead set on having Heelys as a See, child. I was. I was. You know, That's why we differ, Lauren. <laughs> the thing I really wanted as a kid was a was a DS. Yeah. A Nintendo DS, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I sadly never had a DS. I, I do actually have one now. But um <laughs> Lauren, you're spoiling a bit of one of our questions later. Oh, no, so I'm so sorry. hold on hold on to your DS stories and let's <laughs> ask another script question. <laughs> okay. Well so this script is told in a really just unique and fun voice. You know, I we, we talk about this a lot on this show, but um, we just really love when we're reading action lines and they're fun to read. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and we hate to read them and they're not fun to read. So. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, what's there was one line towards the beginning of your script that was like a uh, teenage boner worthy or something like Adolescent that. Adolescent boner. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Something of that nature. It was great. Um, oh. So yeah, from the action lines to the dialogue, everything is just... Really, you know, really unique and fun. So if you can put it into words, talk about your style and voice in the context of the script. Um, yeah, I guess um, I agree with you very much. I've also, you know, all those years in class, uh, listening and reading uh, action lines that were not fun, <laughs> <laughs> sort of paved the way. And um, I don't know, I, I just think the more specific and succinct you can be, the better, especially in comedy. So I try to just kind of, um, I try to make it as easy to visualize as possible, you know? Um, and I also feel like kind of putting in a conversational tone helps a lot. Um, it's sort of how I used to, I think there's like a bit of my novel writing bleeding into that, uh, which is mm-hmm. why it's a little more different than, a, you know, I guess what you would normally read. Uh, I'm not sure. Sorry, I'm te- I'm terrible at explaining my process. No, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> I think that's great, and I and I I think like, I think with some people who come from writing novels, they can they can fall into the trap of like writing too much for the action lines, like right. getting bogged down with like the with like the the colorful language and things and that. But I think in this script, uh, it it works really well because it doesn't like weigh down the script. I oh, think cool. it just adds a unique voice and story to it that I think is like a cool a really cool mixture of your like novel writing past and your screenwriting present and future. So oh. I, I really appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very kind <laughs> of you to say. <laughs> yeah. Um so so speaking more about just sort of the, the story as a whole it's it's obviously a comedy and and it's very funny at that uh but it also comes locked and loaded with like a with like a a pretty decent moral there at the end uh so why did you choose a comedy to portray this idea and um so to sort of just talk about sort of what you want people to get out of this script 
Uh, yeah, well, I would like them to get the moral that you eventually do get at the end, but I feel like life is already so difficult and tragic. Uh, <laughs> if <laughs> if I can make you laugh a little bit along the way while also delivering that message, then, uh, you know, I would prefer to do that. Then uh, also when I went to school, um, no offense to anyone I went to school with, they were just making like super dramatic movies. <laughs> Everyone yep. was always having cancer and dying and, you know, <laughs> sleeping with so-and-so's cousin or brother. And I was sure. just... Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. Um, I, I just wanted to try something a little more fun, a little less serious, but something that still had some sort of substance in the weight. You know, I didn't just want to do something funny for the hell of it without, you know, any sort of substantiality to it. So for sure. No, yeah. And I think it's like, I think I think some people kind of make the mistake sometimes that like, writing comedy is easy because it's very much not and like not and well, once again not to disparage any of the people you went to school with or that I went <laughs> to school with but um I I think sometimes it's it's a little bit easier to go into the to that dark place and and mm. you know dredge up some memories from the past and 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 throw them on a page but I think sometimes it can be more difficult to to make your audience laugh and so I think I think if you can make your audience laugh uh, and get their guard down it's it's much easier to deliver them a moral when they're as opposed to when you know because who knows what state of mind people are when they read or watch something and if they're not in the state of mind to receive something heavy then they're probably going to block out the whole thing exactly you know? exactly so so i i always appreciate a good a good moral spliced into my yeah. comedies yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> So the character of Grandpa really cracked me up because, you know, he just he loves that rifle (laughs) way more than literally anyone or anything else in his life, um, including his his late wife. So (laughs) um, so I'm not sure. I don't remember if it's mentioned um, which parent, you know, the the grandpa's on the side of. Oh, yeah. It's never mentioned. But I, I always sort of imagined that it was his mother's. Mm. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, so was Billy's mom, did she have any of those traits? Did she have, you know, something she loved, something she was super attached to that, you know, mattered more than anything else? Uh, And how did that affect Billy as an individual, if so? Uh, to be honest, I I don't know if this makes me a terrible writer. Um, I Uh-oh. sort of just... <laughs> I wrote the parents out as dead and then never thought about them. So they have absolutely no development past being dead. That is okay. Um, you know, that's fair. So I apologize. Uh, the answer is no. Um, no but, worries. You know, I, I leave that completely open to interpretation for you guys. Well, there we go. Yes. There we go. I, li- I like to interpret a bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, lo- I love this character of the grandpa. And like, I'm thinking about it. And I was like, oh man, he seems like a fun grandpa to have. And then I'm like, ah, is he? Uh, maybe He's not. A mean <laughs> well i also i just really love the setup of the flashback where it showed you know like yeah. this beautiful woman handing him a trophy and that's the grandma and then all of a sudden he doesn't care about her he yeah. just cares about his gun you know it's it's yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah uh sp- speaking of uh uh characters in this story uh, so if if you haven't thought about this, uh, I would like us to do a thought experiment together. And if you have, okay. perfect. Okay. Uh, so imagine it's twenty years later. Slade <laughs> is in his mid thirties. What 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 does his life look like now? Oh, I totally think he manages like a bowling alley. <laughs> 
or like a gas <laughs> I love that station. For him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's got like a beer gut. He's gained thirty pounds. He's definitely not doing so well. That that's that's almost exactly what I feel like I had yeah. in mind. Yeah, Slade yeah. like, <laughs> slowed down a bit. Yes. I imagine. Yeah, and I feel like he fits in perfectly at a bowling alley. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's like I feel like he probably went from the kid loitering in front of or behind the bowling alley. Yeah. to being the manager. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, and then try, tries to hang out with the kids now and they don't let him. They're yeah. like, get out of get go away, old man. <laughs> so uh, another, I guess, future thought experiment, maybe. Um, we love our thought experiments here yeah. on The Green Light. <laughs> Do you think Billy ever gets the girl uh, with Keisha or is he content with the lesson he has learned to not do things to impress others? I think he is content with the lesson he learns, and I think in the future he finds the right girl. Aww. Yeah, I that's think... good for Billy. Yeah. <laughs> good for Billy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mature young man because I, I I would not have been content with just the lesson to learn. <laughs> no, I was not, and uh, it took me until like maybe 32 <laughs> to, to, to start getting content with that lesson. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I I also think it's interesting going back to the character of the grandpa. It's clear that because you know I I assume that Billy sort of lives with him and and probably you know spends a decent amount of time with him, mm-hmm. like. I, I feel like Grandpa, for better or worse, sort of forces him to to be more of an adult. Yeah, and yes. and so I I think you can I think you could sort of see that in this. Like obviously, there's a lot about him that's still a kid, you know, loving Heelys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 having a crush on a girl. But I also think you know because of his maturity that has sort of been thrust upon him, uh, he's sort of forced to to grow up a little bit faster, and then and then maybe it makes it a little easier to to swallow these lessons and to and to yeah, learn maybe. and and move. Move on from the heartbreak and from oh. the Heelys. Yes. Heartbreak and Heelys. <laughs> the wheelies, excuse me. Wheelies. Yes. Yes. TM, trademark. Yes, yes, I know. I can't, I'm too scared to say Heelys because I'm like, I don't have permission. So, yeah. so, so they're wheelies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wheelies. Wheelies, wheelies is as equally good of a name as Heelys is, to be honest. We actually, uh, we had an episode, it wasn't in the title of the script, but um, mm-hmm. it was a script that was about like Greek mythology and had Achilles as a character, so we ended up naming the episode Achilles Heelys. Oh, yes, wow, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. part of me wishes we hadn't already used it so we could throw it out for this one, but well, oh well. <laughs> is, is, it, is it okay for us to have two Heelys titles? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, can't, I personally can't answer that question. Um. All right, uh, so so those are all of our script questions, and now we're going to get to a few questions about you, Miriam. Okay. So I guess we talked about this a little bit, so uh, if, if you want to keep talking about what we talked about before, or if you have a different answer, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there a toy in your childhood, a la Heelys, uh, a la Wheelies, if you will, uh, <laughs> that you were obsessed with and, and really wanted but never got the chance to own? That's why I had you hold on to what you were saying, Lauren. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say no. There wasn't so much a specific item, but there was always definitely a boy. There was always a boy. Mm. So, like, the item could have been interchangeable to me, but, like, I, I think it was really I was always having a crush on the wrong person <laughs> with my priorities gotcha. all out of whack. <laughs> And a boy toy. Yeah. If you yes. Will. Very yes, true. Exactly. <laughs> Very true. So Lauren, you said DS for you. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was just, you know, in middle school, every once in a while, they'd have a day where, you know, in one of your classes towards the end of the year, they'd let you like 
bring your electronics to class. And, you know, I didn't have a phone yet or anything. So I really just wished I had a DS. Mm. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, because everyone would always bring them. And I was like, man, I want to play Animal Crossing. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I, uh, along the same vein, because I think my brother had a DS at one point. So I obviously just used that whenever I could. But there was a a, a portable PlayStation. Oh, what a was PSP? it called? A PSP. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. always wanted a PSP when I was younger, <laughs> and 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 never got that. I always thought oh. that was the coolest thing. And now that's pretty much the Switch. Pretty much the Switch. Yeah. 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 So like you know, it's uh, and Lauren owns the Switch, so kind of the same thing with the DS, where I just use that when I can. <laughs> so so life is a cycle, I guess, yes. is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, on the flip side with something you do have, what is the rifle in your life? Uh, something that you're passionate about, you do it just for yourself, you know, like purely a hobby. Um, <laughs> well, right now it feels like writing and making films <laughs> would be oh. my rifle, uh, especially given the last year, you know. Um, right. I haven't had a chance to really do anything creatively uh, in a very long time. So revisiting this script, uh, rewriting it, this was something I initially wrote uh, four years ago in grad school and almost shot as a thesis project, but last second switched and did a different script. No. Uh, yeah, I know, uh, but I could never let quite let go of this one, and a bunch of people told me not to. Um, so it was just really fun, kind of coming back to it. Um, it was very cathartic for me. So um, I hate to sound, I don't mean to get emo and deep, but uh, I really feel like uh, the creative process is just writing itself is really the rifle for me. If I can write, I'm all right. <laughs> wow, there you go. That was That's really good. corny. Was don't don't right don't there. put that on. Don't, don't, don't. Someone <laughs> someone write that down. Yeah, We're gonna, gonna clip be that. Our preview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely i'm absolutely putting that as our no i'm no. so sorry that was so cheesy that was so <laughs> oh, bad i'm a lot better no. in real life i promise i d well, you're you know, doing we great think you're great here yeah we do um, yeah so so I, I if you don't mind reliving the past year a bit i'd, I'd like to just <laughs> dig deeper and how do you think because you know we've gotten to ask a lot of people especially in the past year from being roughly a month to two months into the pandemic all the way to like now almost a year like how it has affected you as an artist and and you touched on that a little bit but i'd love to uh hear you expand on that if if you if you uh want to sure yeah i mean um you know last march until basically november i didn't work a day uh things were completely shut down and uh it was very scary and being in that mindset of not knowing what was happening makes it very difficult to be creative so you know those months didn't feel really productive either which is unfortunate and uh finally in november things slowly started opening up and i was able to pa on a very few sets but uh you know just very scary times uh recently. And I think that I, I didn't have the motivation uh, or the wherewithal to come up with any new content. And I think yeah. that's why I started revisiting older stuff. And that's kind of why I came back to this script and revisited it. So something good came out of it. But uh, yeah, uh, things finally feel like they're starting to pick up a little again. Um, Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's been scary, yeah. <laughs> scary for a minute. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think w one thing that you said that that stuck out to me and has been a reality for, for the past year, unfortunately, is is just sort of the the like lack of motivation mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, to 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 create through things, etc. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was one of the biggest things I've struggled with in the past year. It's like mm -hmm. and and not only that, but the idea of like 
beating yourself up because, oh man, I have so much free time now. I should be using it to create or, mm-hmm. or to do something productive. But then on the other side, you're like, I'm so exhausted all the time and I don't know why. Yeah. So just like those two concepts constantly at war inside of yourself and then end up just doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it, it's tough. And I, and I think, I think a lot of people, um, you know, it, it, it's affected a lot of people in different ways, but, but it is, uh, I, I, I'm glad we're almost out of it. Yes, Just yes. Knock on you. wood. Knock on all the wood possible. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> I'm knocking on the floor right now, guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we have one more question for you. Yeah. And I hope I hope I also looked on your, your correct uh, Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, because this is a very specific question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I did a little bit of research mm-hmm. and I found a picture of you and Tommy Wiseau. Is, <laughs> that, is that you? Yes, that's me. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, Tommy Wiseau, writer, director, director star of the room producer the, i think too yeah, yeah he was everything f- of the famously horrible movie uh and this was a picture from you on your birthday i believe so yes. walk us through that experience and how that was for you oh my goodness that was one of the most uh surreal experiences of my life they had a sc- uh they do screenings apparently like once or twice a month at midnight um all over la um, at least they were uh, and I mm-hmm. believe this was back in 2017. And I decided to get, they had one on my birthday and I was like, oh my God, I, I've seen the room a million times that I've never seen it on the big screen. And I heard it was like quite an experience. And sometimes <laughs> that he shows up and I was like, okay, sure enough, he was there. And I let him know it was my birthday and uh, they pulled me on stage and he sang happy birthday to me. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. No way. Yeah, yeah. That is an incredible experience. Yeah. He was very nice. He was very nice. And uh, he looks and sounds exactly like he does on in film. <laughs> oh my <laughs> That's gosh. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That, and that, that's so interesting. What, I guess just what he's been able to do with this film yes. and how it's still That's the thing. It's like it's, it's living such a on. classic that even though it's terrible, I feel like he probably still makes a decent living off of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that it, he always had like mysterious wealth anyway, so mm-hmm. I guess yeah. maybe he doesn't need it, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's that that's such a cool story. Wow. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a great place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Miriam. We had a great time interviewing you. Thank um, you. Oh, guys. well, I, I guess we have a couple more questions. Okay. Oh, uh, well. Number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, what were you? Well, gonna I was going to ask if you had anything you wanted to plug or like anything that uh, you wanted to talk about while you were here. That was one of that was one of the questions. Uh, no, I'm just, thank you guys so much for having me. This is my first uh, interview on a podcast, believe it or not. So, so wow. Well, you did great. Thank you very much. So yeah. Passed with, with, with flying marks. Oh, um, thank you very much. Of course. Um, and then we, we've been doing this lately. Uh, if you have a question you would like to ask us, feel free to shoot it at us. If not, no worries. <laughs> um, I think I'm all good. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. Okay. Perfect. Ooh, so if God. you would like to get in touch with Miriam, her email will be in the description below. Uh, you can talk to her about this script, another script, any of her endeavors. Wheelies, Tommy Wiseau, anything. Yes. Anything. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, all right. Thanks so much again for coming on, Miriam. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.